This episode of the FS Podcast is brought to you by CBS All Access. Looking for a new streaming service to add so you can watch more stuff? Check out CBS All Access. Hit up infamouspodcast.com slash CBS and you can get a free one-week trial to CBS All Access and check out things like Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Survivor, um, you know, all the other cool stuff that CBS has to offer. Star Trek Discovery, I said that already. You should really watch that. Um, yeah, so hit up infamouspodcast.com slash CBS to learn more. Hey, welcome back to the Infest Podcast. This is Brian, and with me today is... Daryl with my partner in crime, my baby Yoda bobblehead. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you put it in a bag and punch it? No, but then it's it not a real baby down. Yoda bobblehead. Yeah. So. Well, they're, you know they're they're coming out with that the punch of Yoda, punch of baby. Yeah, the bop it. We talked about that like two weeks ago already. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. anyway, welcome <laughs> back to the show. Um, if you're new, we are a podcast and we talk about nerd shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, special thanks to our current patron Julian Brown. Head over to Patreon.com/slash Infos Podcast. Um, you get early access to these um, little nuggets of nonsense. Um, there's some cool tiers. If you back the middle tier, you get to pick what we talk about, which I'm waiting for that one because I think that'll be fun um, and challenging. And uh, yeah. All right, bud. So this week we uh, have some news, a bunch of Star Wars stuff that I found, um, a really cool trailer that dropped from Netflix for a new superhero movie. And um, just some, a little bit of Witcher news that kind of talks about the whole industry as a whole. And we're talking the old guard. The yes. actual movie. Reviewing it. Man, Netflix, I tell you. Like, it seems like recently Netflix has been on the ball. So, and- between April and June, they added 10.1 million subscribers worldwide. Wow. That's incredible. That- <laughs> That is what, like, what is it? Uh, do you have the numbers as far as what is it above their average for? Uh, it beat their, pro- they were projected, they were projecting like 8 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, two, 2 million extra subscribers at 13 bucks a pop. I mean, you know, yeah, we're, we're talking billions of dollars here. Uh, and then they announced a new co CEO, it was the guy who was the head of content. So it sounds like Reed Hastings is probably, or not Reed Hastings, uh, Ted Allen is going to be stepping down at some point um in the near future and they're they're getting ready for that but um but yeah so dude what's going on how's your week busy 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 i uh i do have to say in my my downtime here while i'm i'm looking for a job i i am having fun just finding triggering things to send you (laughs) (laughs) you you sent me some good memes too so oh dude my, my my meme meme game is strong it always has yeah. been so, and, and, um, I, and I'm not saying I'm not. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny if I passed those off as my own um, to some of my buddies. I'm sure you did. It's all right. <laughs> no, I just send them, and I don't yeah. even say anything. So anyway, if they assume, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's on that's on them um, if they want to assume. Uh, but yeah, all right. So uh, um, so you've had a good week. Actually, it's been an all right week. Um, yeah, so here, the busy. But... I don't know if like you know we talk about geek stuff all here. Did you know what I, that was from? The busy, busy, busy. 
No. It was from your favorite devil or <sighs> one of your favorite. Uh, oh, yeah. Lucifers. Yeah. I don't know which one. Pe- Peter Stro- Stormar. Oh, Stormar from, uh, Constantine. Constantine. Dude, I haven't watched Constantine in like 10 years. I need to. I own it. I need to watch it. Yeah. I've been it's doing on, um, um Hulu now, I think. Yeah. So I I, I bought it on iTunes. It was like four ninety nine. Anytime something cool is four ninety nine, I buy it. Um yeah. no, i I did a mini Charlie's uh a thon because of <laughs> Old Guard. So I watched Old Guard again and a half and um I watched Long The Long Shot with Seth Rogan and Atomic Blonde. Did I, tell you I watched that? Dude, that movie's really funny. It was it's highly underrated. Um, I watched Atomic Blonde, which um, I think has only gotten only aged well. It's only gotten better on subsequent viewings. Um, and then um, I watched The Italian Job. So, did you watch The Astronaut's Wife? No, but I watched Mad Max last week after watching um, Bone Guard the first time. So I feel like that could probably be counted. But I, I did watch like four Charlie's movies right in a row. So. <laughs> So the, yeah, the first one I first movie I remember her in was uh, speaking of devils, this is Devil's Advocate. Oh no, her very first movie was um, in this total tangent territory. But her first movie was uh, it was called Two Days in the Valley. Um, no, I mean like the first oh, one that I saw. Okay, no, but I mean I, that was the first movie I saw her in Two Days in the Valley, oh, okay. and it happened to be her very first movie. Um, I saw it at the Esquire, because um, you know snob. But yeah, no, I mean the devil, her in the Devil's Advocate is she's awesome in that and keanu is awesome in that and al pacino is yeah. actually really al, al pacino is a really good devil as well yeah he is i, I don't but, put him in the top five though uh, i probably wouldn't but keanu is good in it i can't yeah. wait for him and you know cyber when he when, if cyberpunk comes out in november yeah uh, it's gonna get Johnny pushed Silverhand. back again yeah so. it's been pushed back for um, three times twi- twice or thrice yeah i think three times i just wanted to say twice or thrice you just wanted to say thrice yeah kara thrice um oh so i told you i'm rewatching uh sarah connor the um sarah connor chronicles and i'm at the point where jesse showed up and i just like i forgot the character's name and i kept in my head calling her kendra because that's who she played in um the plan on Battlestar galactica Oh yeah. yeah. When she was the the ace from the Pegasus. Um but yeah. So God, that's a good show. You 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 should rewatch that and we should talk about that. We should do like a, a rewind Sarah a rev- yeah, a review rewind type thing where we talk about some older stuff. Anyway. Um All right, so kicking off the news bits. Uh the first bit is The Watcher season 2 is set to resume production in August. Witcher? Witcher. What I say? The Watcher. Um Watcher. Yeah, The Witcher. Um will resume on August 17th. So um, a little over a month away. Oh, uh, FYI, if you've been with us from the beginning, this is our fifth anniversary week. So thank you. Um, it's been a really cool journey and, you know, we're going to just keep going. Um, but yeah, that little side note, I forgot to mention at the top of the show. <laughs> Can you believe that? Fifth anniversary. That is crazy. It seems like I just started doing this. So, and wait a I, minute. What? I have a question. Yeah. So were you doing this when it's only five years? Cause I thought yeah. you were doing this when we went to go see, was that, no, that might've been civil war. Cause I was going to say, um, no, we started in two winter soldier. 
Yeah. Because I was going to say Winter Soldier. I thought we had so. kind of like a quick reaction. But no, that was Civil, um, Civil War that we did outside the movie yeah. theater. Okay. So yeah. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's been it's been fun. It's been a blast. It's gone. I can't believe it's been five years. Um, Man. You know. So it's been it's been a good time. But yeah, so The Witcher is coming back, uh, season two, and it's gonna pre- premiere um, next year at some point, I assume. But uh, I'm curious to see, I, I, because I know, because one of the things is how how much this is gonna delay it and everything is. I just don't know how much they filmed because they were well into filming when they had to shut down. They were filming for I think a couple months. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how. You know, how far this gets pushed back because one of the, the article that you sent me said it could be pushed back to 22 yeah. which I don't I don't necessarily think so um, because again it's filming for two months and, and, and I know there's going to be a lot of post-production stuff but I don't see unless you know something happens I, I, I'm almost certain it'll be mm-hmm. we'll see it in 2021 yeah, I don't. Know. I'd like to see it in twenty twenty one. You know, obviously they need to be safe, and um, you know they they film they don't film in the U S. So you know right. it's a it's a U K set. So and uh, it looks like Jurassic World Dominion is uh, looking for a late July start to refill start kick uh kick filming back off. So when were they supposed yeah. to start filming that? I think it already started. Okay. So so. The one I'm very curious about, and we talked about this uh, about a month or so ago when all this was happening, was what they're going to do with the whole Spider-Man Uncharted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Tom Holland was supposed to be filming or. Yeah. And I think they did start maybe a couple weeks or maybe a week. I don't know. But they were supposed to start filming the Spider-Man. But I think like in the next couple months. So, again, both Sony. I mean, obviously, we know which one is is going to make the mo- most of the money. Uncharted. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, it, hopefully it passes through the comic book curse. But, yeah. Um, or the, um, the video, video game, game curse, curse, I should yeah. say. Maybe, I don't know. We'll find out. But that, that'll be curious to see how you know some of these schedules get kind of flipped around and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, all right. So our next tale of woe is uh, StarWars.com announced that the Bad Batch is getting a spinoff series on De Plus, um, and that's really cool. So um, it's going to come out in 2021. It's got you know the the group coming back, which I think is really neat. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, I, I did, you know, I saw all of, watched all of Rebels, but Clone Wars is one of those I, because I was trying to catch up for when we were mm-hmm. talking about it, I watched, you know, I watched the first couple seasons back in the day when it was out. Yeah, but, and that like, first I, season I just, was rough. I mean, it was yeah, rough. It, it was, was hard to get through. Yeah. I mean, even now, right. like knowing the, like how everything pans out, the first season is hard to get through. Yeah, it's it's kind of like watching trying to watching Buffy over again and watching season one. Yeah, uh, that goddamn Eric Balfour, man. He just—I <laughs> swear—he's like the Jesse. he's like the proto Grumberg. Um, you know, just not fun to watch act. 
no. well, he was only in a couple episodes or one episode. Or well, he was in the pilot. And, like, honestly, yeah. being the show killer that he is, I'm surprised it made it past the pilot. Because um, yeah. that was a bad pilot. That was not a good pilot. Um, that was terrible. But, yeah, so, th- so. this will be interesting. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's coming from Filoni. Um, <laughs> you know, it's Lucas Lucasfilm Animation is going to be continuing the story. Um, and, yeah, so it's not saying – okay, so – it looks like it's the immediate aftermath of the Clone War. So yeah. they're going to be. It's okay. So it's in the post Clone War era. Yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. So they're going to go on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find a new purpose. Um, yeah. That's exactly what I want to see. You know, um, will they fall under like the rebel? Will they become rebels? I hope not. Like. I think it's really it'll be really cool. It would be really cool to watch them work for the Empire and be sent on some like really dangerous missions. Um killing killing some rebel scum. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't think they'll do this be- and again I don't I'm not in enough in the Clone Wars uh, mythos to know. But one thing I would, would have loved to see as far and I know we're gonna talk about a little bit about some of the books and comics coming out is and you might, and this might already have happened, but you know, we we all know the Empire as you know, you know, the oppressive, mm-hmm. the oppressive boot. Right. It would be cool to see, you know, despite the the Empire being that, watching the Empire fight maybe, you know, threats that you know the rebels never knew about, threats to you know just well, so the entire galaxy. Yeah. So I mean, they did some of that in that Lost Stars book uh, by Claudia Gray when they talk about the crime syndicates and things like that, that they have going on. But the other, the, like the flip side of that is Palpatine was in control, like, you know, kind of pseudo control of that through mall, um, right. before it got out of hand. Um, so yeah, no, but I think that would be cool. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they send them like out past the outer rim to deal with some nonsense out there. I think that would just put a nice little spin on what we've always seen and known about the empire. And it just because it's something different. So, you know, and and I think because of the way the movies have shown the empire, right. Um, Mm -hmm. it's all bad. Uh, and and it's because it's that, that fascist, you know, word that they like to toss around. But in reality, I mean, like he did bring order to the galaxy and for, for the core worlds, you know, um, there was, there was prosperity for sure. And, and it was a time of peace until, you know, Darth Vader's little offspring decided to, they needed to kill, go, they kill a million go, people on the death star. Yeah. They just needed to go screw things up for everybody else. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, in, in, in all reality, like I think it would be cool to kind of get it, get, the POV of, of them working for the empire. Maybe they, they do, like you said, go after some of the, the more dangerous things that aren't rebels. Maybe they do go after some different rebel sects that we haven't seen, uh, or cells that we haven't seen and, you know, watching them kind of question it. And, and that yeah. sort of thing, I, I think would add a lot of like really cool drama to it. And hopefully they don't make it quite as kitty as they did with those first three episodes. Right. And, and we don't need the spice sisters to ever come back. 
the um as as a bunch of people on online call them the SJW twins. Um, <laughs> so. I skipped those episodes. Yeah, you're 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 smart for for doing that. Um, yeah. like the second the last episode of that arc. Uh, or I guess they're all four episode arcs. The last episode of that arc, um, shows Ahsoka meeting with the Mandalorians. So that's really the only one you would need to watch. But Bad Batch coming. I'm excited. All right, now, like uh, Bad right, Batch. the Bad Batch. All right, so we've got some Mandalorian news. Um, so the Mandalorian universe is going to expand with uh, some new Star Wars books and comics um, coming. And we'll see Mando and the child on some new adventures. So uh, as season two is ready to drop later this year, um, there's just a, a bunch of different chi- uh, titles coming out which they haven't really released a whole lot. But as far as the, the publishing lineup that they do have, there's the art of the Mandalorian season one uh, with the cover by Doug Chiang from Lucasfilm. Um, the Mandalorian, an original no- novel by Adam Christopher. Um, then the visual guide, which is done by Pablo Hidalgo, as all of them are. Um, the Mandalorian Allies and Enemies, level two reader. Um, it's a book for kids. And then Mandalorian 8x8 storybook. Um, is another one by kids. Both of those are written by Brooke Vitell. And then there's uh, the Mandalorian Junior novelization by uh, Joel Schreiber. And yeah, I mean, like I said, there's not a lot announced right now, but it's really cool that they're they're looking at that as a, you know, as a focal point. So, so you're telling me they're going all in with the Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're going they're going full Mando. <laughs> And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Although, you know, again, I'm one of those that I do want to see a little bit more them expand the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. instead of just focusing on these certain time periods, like, you know, the popular time periods. But I can't lie. I, you know, I love the Mandalorian. I have a lot of uh, Mandalorian pop figures, mm-hmm. uh, mostly of the child. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I like this because, and I like how, how they have, you know, the junior novelizations and things like that. Just n- yeah. new material to, and again, I know the child probably appeases, or he, the child appeals to everyone except, you know, people like you that like to beat and punch and torture it. But... I, I only do that for your, <laughs> your benefit. <laughs> Uh, okay zod for the greater good (laughs) it's it's literally just for you that i i do that and and send you those funny videos of me punching a uh a baby yoda pillow in the middle of target and angel's like what are you doing i'm like sending daryl a video (laughs) which i also sent to Haley. um so yeah you know how we're talking about the memes like every time i send you a black widow meme about her being dead i send that to Haley as well because she's the only person that gets more upset about that mad at me for doing that than you um (laughs) uh, anyway all right uh so other mando news is uh giancarlo esposito was doing an interview and he had mentioned that um he feels like got Moff Gideon. He, he did it for entertainment tonight. Uh, Moff Gideon is a warrior and, you know, a guy who's on the front lines and that it might not be impossible that he's a force sensitive. Uh, so that, that's, that's kind of interesting to see. Um, 
and you know it it's something i've wanted to see for a long time in in star wars like the force sensitives who aren't affiliated mm-hmm. doing stuff i don't know how you feel about that no i i absolutely agree i think that there like so much of star wars you know in the past is focused on whether you're a jedi or training to be a jedi or whether you're a sith and you know it's that eight what what about that huge you know population that doesn't necessarily have those abilities or but they can still do things they can mm-hmm. still sense things right you know i'm reading uh i'm rereading the dresden files by jim butcher you know love the series peace talks just came out tuesday for those that read um the dresden files but for those that read <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but you know you know harry dresden is a big time wizard you know he's really young so he doesn't have the experience of a lot of the wizards in the white council but they they're actually he, he even talks about people who don't have the you know the wizarding muscle or the magic muscle but they still have abilities and you know the importance of these people because there's more of them than those that are really strong so their ability to affect the world despite you know not having those you know superpowers like a lot of these other wizards and i look at this the same way um you know whether you you know you have you know that precognition of a of a split second or two seconds where you just know something's going to happen and how how and again that based on a jedi that might not seem like much but just think of in a battle if you you can you have that you know early warning radar of a second or two seconds that's everything in the fight so. right i mean just imagine like anakin never gets found by the jedi order and right. you know he goes through his life as a professional pod racer who uses those abilities to you know make those like you said split second decisions to to affect the outcome of the race or you know pulling you know be more nefarious with it because he he did have a dark side to him as a little kid yeah um, no, that and, that's that's right on. That's, and again, let's 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 not forget to mention uh, Giancarlo is a national treasure. I love that guy. Uh, and I, I, th- I don't know if I sent that to you, but you know the trailer for uh, Far Cry Six, just like he's going to be like the main villain. Yeah. Or I, I'm assuming, and yeah, I've never played the Far Cry games, but that one. I love oh, man, I love that, that shot, like panning up with him with the cigar. Um, yeah. Is really really cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm really interested for for Moff Gideon's story too to find out how he got the dark saber, um, because when we left it, it was with Bo-Katan, and she yes. was beginning to you know, um, unite all the all the clans in the north to to go beyond the wall to you know battle the the White Walkers and. <laughs> and everything and and so you know it, it, it's one of those things where i mean obviously bo katan has to be dead um at this time so or well maybe not obviously but we're i think it's safe to assume and so we're gonna get we're gonna get some really interesting fl- flashbacks of mandalore and hopefully a little bit of the purge um the great purge not purge night um but yeah <laughs> and, and you know giancarlo is awesome he he's awesome in everything he's in and he said he said his next stop is the Marvel Universe, so I'm just gonna put this out there right now. Um, if he's not Norman Osborn, uh, we riot in Portland. We're coming for you because you allow rioting on a on a massive scale. <laughs> so, um, but seriously, like he would be the perfect Norman Osborn. 
Yeah, he would. I, I, I'm just thinking about that and just listening to just picturing him in that role. Yeah. And picturing him not getting us, getting us rioting in Portland, Oregon. So, um, yes, I mean, just burn, burn that city to the ground. Right. <laughs> Nickelback made a song about that. I think burn it to the ground. Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with, with, with yeah, that they band. Did. Is they, that, is they, that, that's a band? Is that a, is that a solo act? Is that like Christian rock? What is that country? <laughs> So I'm not I'm not uh, sure I'm not sure what you're talking about. Anyway. I don't know why that I don't know why they get so much flack, man. They're awesome. <gasps> Dude, you're gonna get canceled. You can't say you like Nickelback. <laughs> uh, so you know, it was nice having Daryl on the show while he could do it. <laughs> so luckily, you're not on Twitter, so you're all right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, he even says like to have this saber, 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 to have this saber means that I can use it and I can do my own dirty work, that I'm a fighter, that I'm a warrior. That's part of me. It also creates a possibility that he's one of the ones he possibly has that. And that to me is interesting because he really is that fallen hero. Uh, um, sorry. And to that makes me, that to me is interesting because is he really that fallen hero is he a descendant of darth vader who is he uh esposito wondered in his quote so i i think yeah this is this is really an interesting time and to see someone who who had thrived inside the empire especially to be a force sensitive um just adds many many levels of of layers to that story yeah i'm i am so excited for what you know you talk about the bad batch you talk about some of the you know series that they're doing you, how how sokatano's coming to you know bokatan i know it's probably flashbacks yeah. but hopefully we get some um um sabine red so yeah so, and tia sakar tia sakar i don't think she's doing anything right now just bring her back mm-hmm. as sabine like she was the voice um one she's a really good actor um uh, two she's the voice already uh, she would be around the right age. You know, she's a person of color. So, you know, that kind of checks off that Disney box. Um, and she's the best actor for the role because she's already done it. And um, if you've never seen the movie The Internship with Vince Vaughn and uh, Owen Wilson, she's one of the interns on their team. And she is freaking hilarious in that movie. Oh, OK. I know exactly who she is yeah. now, now so. that you said that. Um, I mean, she's done a ton of like live action stuff. She's not just a voice yeah. actor. So, right. um, but yeah, and she's really pretty. <laughs> so, <laughs> Star- yeah. So Star Wars is definitely looking up. I mean, y- y- I'm glad I like this focus on the smaller projects, you know, just continue this focus. And again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, continue this focus, con- you know, this razor sharp laser focus yeah. on the, you know, this, the Disney Plus series and all these series, and then you know, don't even think about the movies right now. Don't even think about the movies. Right. Just focus on these. Like, and, and when you're thinking scope it- and size, think Ant Man and Iron Man versus Civil War and Infinity War. Yes. Right. It doesn't need. None of these need to be a sweeping saga right now. And, no, and to be don't. honest, the further we can get away from that with Star Wars and get back to like the cool storytelling, um. And, and give it some time to really think about, like, what's next beyond the sequel trilogy. Um, you know, that would be – that'd be great. 
I, I agree. And I, I, I admit I'm one of those that because of the, how well the MCU did it, I have to get away from expecting movies that, you know, are under the same brand to ne necessarily connect like that. I, and I was thinking about it when I was watching the TV, the new like preview for um, new mutants that just came out today. And like, my first thing is like, I wonder how they're going to make it connect to, and then I stopped myself and I said, you know what? Why just let me, I'll just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, and, I agree. And, and, and and I think, yeah, I 100% agree that Star Wars, you don't need everything interconnected in this massive story. Yes, nice little Easter eggs for what's happening on, you know, this side of the galaxy or what have you is fine. But don't feel like you have to make this overarching story and everything connect. Just right. focus on that, pro that specific project and make it the best project you can. Sage words, Mr. Hand. Sage words. Thank you very much. I'm here all week. <laughs> Uh, all right, so our last bit of news is something you shared with me. Um, I wasn't quite oh, you sure. You didn't know about it. I wow. did not. So I, I have been. Uh, so I've been teasing Daryl all week because he's texted me things. I was like, yeah, I already read about that. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, I got to do better sharing. Yeah, I know. Especially you, you saw the. How dare you, man? Not tell me about the uh, the X Men figures. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. So. Well, I shared the the Clone Wars. Uh, well, well kind of with, with you with no context. You just sent me a picture, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, uh, I assumed you okay. knew about it, so I assumed you follow Yak Face on um on Instagram like the rest of us. Who's that? Uh, it's Yak Face. I'll send the same link to you later. He he's he's awesome. He he drops all sorts of scoops. Anyway, um, Project Power. It's, that, it's a really cool trailer. And I like the idea yeah. behind it. It's a it's a combination to me of uh what was that show? Um The Boys. Limitless. Oh yeah. Where and I love that show. I, I really wish it could have gotten more than one season, but yeah, you know, Limitless for those who don't know, it's based off the Bradley Cooper movie that it came out. Wasn't he in the pilot? Yes, he was, no, he was actually in a couple episodes, oh, okay. more than uh, one episode of it. And it, the idea was that you take this pill and it basically opens your brain up in a way that just makes you, to quote Wile E. Coyote, a super genius. <laughs> and, <laughs> so this um, Project Power is where, and again, and, and I think it's, it's, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. First, I was thinking of series. Where it's a similar thing. You get five. The thing the I like this caveat, though, where it's you don't know what power you're going to get and you only get it for five minutes. Yeah, it's like the really um, stepped on version of Compound V from the boys. Yes. So like cause yeah. with with the boys, the Compound V, the more pure it is, um, it'll stick like it becomes permanent. And the more stepped on it is, it's just temporary and becomes highly addictive. And yeah, so I, I thought this was really, really interesting. So the synopsis uh, for this one is on the streets of New Orleans, word begins to spread about a mysterious new pill that unlocks superpowers unique to each user. The catch, you don't know what will happen until you take it. While some develop bulletproof skin, invisibility and super strength, others exhibit a deadlier reaction. But when the pill escalates crime within the city to dangerous levels, a local cop, JGO, Teams with a teenage dealer, Dominic, uh, Dominique Fishback, 
Um, and a former soldier, former soldier fueled by a secret vendetta, the Jamie Foxx, to fight power with power and risk taking the pill in order to track down and stop the group responsible for creating it. Um, I- I'll say the only thing I'm not excited about this is New Orleans has become like the new Burbank or Chicago or Harlem. Um, it's just too familiar of a location now. Mm-hmm to really kind of suspend disbelief the way you should, or Toronto even, um, where it's like you just kind of recognize the buildings and, and things, and it's really hard to to make it feel whimsical. Uh, that's that's a fair... Because uh, I see that, you know, sometimes where in certain movies, you're so used to seeing seeing a movie film, a certain movie or a certain show filmed in a certain you know, this city or that city. Right. But that, 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 that doesn't bother me necessarily. I mean, it's a, bothers, it's a minor gripe. Yeah. yeah minor. What, bo- right. what it, I don't, I won't say this bothers me, but w- tell me what you said. Like, <laughs> as for what, like when you watch the trailer, uh, uh, like what, what you said about it, what it could be. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. You're, you're like, this could be really good. Oh, or it could no, be like this push. could be really good. Or yeah, this could be, this could be a great movie or it'll be push. The Chris Evans junkie superhero movie, um, which was hot garbage in a garbage can lit on fire in a lake of fire with a missile dropped on it. That's how hot garbage it was. Do I have to send you the how dare you meme once more? How dare you? There, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was it wasn't that good. But. No, it's it's a really bad movie. And 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 yeah. to be honest, Chris Evans isn't that great in that movie. Um, no, he's not. But I no, like the concept though. The but. concept is really interesting. Um, you know, I I would prefer like Jumper is one of those ones where it's not like a drug, but like you know, it's that superhero movie where it's all um hesitant heroes and hesitant villain sort of things, except for um, mm-hmm. Sam Jackson. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think one. I I, I love Jamie Fox. I, I think he is he is awesome in everything that he do, does, and he's a straight up chameleon, right? When you're watching a movie, it's not like, oh look, it's Jamie Fox. It's you know, whoever he is. Like in Stealth, like he was awesome. Um, he was the only one who I actually believed was a uh, a fighter pilot between Jessica Biel and um, was it Patrick Wilson. Was it, or, yeah, I, or was it Aaron Eckhart? I don't know. It was, it was, it was one of those guys. Um, so <laughs> anyway, but he was the best part of that movie. Um, and then now when I watch it, spoilers, I turn it off when he dies. Um, I don't even finish the movie uh, because it's not worth it. I didn't and even realize he died in that movie. Thanks J- a lot. JGL is a galactic treasure. Um, you yes. know, and and so I, I'm I'm a big fan. I think. Um, I like the movie he did. It was kind of like Quicksilver. It was called uh, what was it called? Oh, it was the Bike Messenger movie. The Bike. Yeah, um, you've told me about that one before. Yeah, which is it's a really fun movie, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it's gonna bother me until I look it up. Anyway, but he's he's great in everything that he does, and he's a lot of fun. And Premium Rush, uh, where his character's name you mentioned Wiley Coyote earlier is Wiley, um, and they call him the Coyote Man. But, um, you know, and he's another one of those. He's a he's a hundred percent chameleon, and he he just oh he's in Knives Out. Oh, it's just a voice cameo. Okay, good. So sorry. Um, he's got that movie on Amazon. I want to watch seventy five hundred. 
So yeah, I just saw that. That was a couple weeks ago. Came mm-hmm. out, and then like, he was great in Snowden. Um, like I said, Premium Rush. He was the only good part of the Dark Knight Rises. Um, you know, he played Cobra, Cobra Commander in the Rise of Cobra. Um, oh man, what a you know what a waste. Um, yeah. Anyway, Brick Looper, you get it. Uh, but he's great. And then this Dominique Fishback, she's she's a newcomer, right? She's done uh, – this is her third movie. Uh, she has a fourth movie that's in post-production. They don't know when it's coming out, and they haven't even given a title yet. But she's done some, some TV work. She was in an episode of The, of the Nick on um, Cinemax. She was in an episode of the, the Affair. She was in an episode of The Americans, Blue Bloods. Uh, I think that's the one with uh, Magnum P.I. on CBS. Yeah. Um, Royal Pains, Show Me a Hero, which is the um, HBO series with Oscar Isaac um, as the mayor. Uh, and I think, I want to say Queens. Um, and then she was a series regular on The Deuce, uh, also on HBO. And then. What, The Deuce? The Deuce with, uh, I think that was James Franco and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, and then Random Acts of Flyness. Um, she was a recurring character for four episodes. Um, I don't know. I've never heard of that show. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's a it's a nice new young actress that we, we don't we haven't seen before. So we don't know a lot about. Um, yeah. Casey Neistat is in this movie, uh, which is interesting. I don't know if you noticed him That's, in the trailer. No, I, I actually I didn't actually. So, yeah, he's uh like explosions are happening and, and, and he's just kind of in the background, but he's listed on the, the cast list. Courtney B Vance, who is awesome in everything he does. Um, yeah. I hope he's a bureaucrat because I really like it when he's a bureaucrat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really excited. It looked good. The special effects that we got to see looked really good. Um, it's a new superhero movie. It's not based on anything. Um, other than it, which I'm always so yeah, I'm I'm always up for something unique like that. Like you know, there's there's plenty of great original material, whether it be comic books, movies, manga, yeah, anything you want to talk about like that. But I I do like when we get stuff originality, that's just yeah, original, yeah. Oh, uh, right. Rodrigo Santoro is also in it, so Xerxes oh, yeah, himself, yeah. and uh, yeah. Machine Gun Kelly. Oh my god! So. But yeah, I think that comes out August fourteenth. There was a, I know it's next month. Yeah, August fourteenth. There was a really bad show that I really enjoyed on Showtime a couple years ago called Roadies. It got two seasons with um, Luke Wilson and um, and uh, Carla Gugino uh, and and uh, Imogen Poots and Machine Gun Kelly is in it, and he's actually really really good in it. Um, that's actually how I learned about him. Um, so. But I'm not okay with him stealing stealing my boy's wife. Bag bag bag's got a thing or two to say, I'm sure. So, um, so yeah. All right. So um, we'll definitely be talking about uh, Power Project Power uh, around August 14th. So stay tuned for that one. All right. Let's get down to the nitty gritty with our main topic today. the old guard, as I've subtitled this episode, immortal badassery. Um, <laughs> Cause I couldn't think of any better way to talk about it. <laughs> uh, so this is based on the Greg Rucka comic book. Um, and actually I told you that I thought there were three um, volumes. There's only two. Mm-hmm. And okay. the second one is in the midst of, I think the fifth issue, the final issue 
came out this week or next week. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a relatively new book. It's still in stores, um, or online, but Greg Rucker wrote the book and then he wrote the screenplay. And then I think the coolest thing to find out about this movie is it was directed by Gina Prince Blythewood, who is best known for love and basketball, which, uh, with Omar Epps, which is a great, great ass movie. Sana Lathan. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, I can never say her name right, so I was I was really counting on she you. She was Blade's mother too. Yeah, she way. was. Um, and and so seeing her do this uh, really intense sci-fi superhero movie, um, I want to see more of that from her. Like she she had a really great take on this. Um, and and the things that they added. So there there's a lot of differences between the comic and in the in the show right um and you know this this is definitely something that is setting up for a uh a franchise for sure yeah and and what from what i i saw and i I didn't i I haven't you know uh it's not one of those verifiable things but i did see a note that they have already you know agreed to you know the main cast has already agreed to sequels and yeah a, a sequel at mm-hmm. least and you know it's netflix is putting it i don't know if necessarily into production but kind of like putting it in line to you know start yeah. pre-production i, I mean down sometime down the road this movie it's 125 minutes long um honestly they probably easily could have shaved 15 minutes out of this movie um but that's most movies right that's not a knock on this movie at all it's a 70 million dollar budget and it looks like it's a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Easily looks like it's hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Um but yeah, so we, we we get Charlize Theron as Andy, um, or Andromeda Michi of Scythia, which is just the coolest fucking name ever. Uh Kiki Lane from Cincinnati, Ohio herself, uh as Niall Freeman. Represent. Uh so in the so two things. In the comic, um Andy never becomes mortal um by the way spoilers spoilers um, yeah uh, okay how, like before we start yeah. like just there's going to be spoilers and we both loved it so yeah it, like the else, fact that i watched spoilers. this two and a half times should should tell yeah. you um and we both watched it uh disjointed the first time like i had to stop in the middle and go do some stuff and then i came back and finished it and then i when i, I wanted to watch it all the way through which i did but before that I was um, just kind of bored and I threw on the first 25 minutes of the movie um, before I had to go do something else um, because it's, it's such a great opening sequence. Um, but yeah, so we've got Charlize Theron as Andy. Uh, Kiki Lane is uh, Niall Freeman, who was a former U S Marine who, you know, joins the immortal club. Uh, Mathis show show nerds. Yeah, Matthias. Yeah, oh, Matthias. Thank you. Uh, as Booker, um, and he was once a French soldier who fought under Napoleon. And did I hear right? He died from polio. No, he died fighting Napoleon. <gasps> oh, oh, he died. Oh, okay. I misunderstood that. Okay, cool. That makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah, probably his accent. There were a couple things where yeah, there were there's accents. Some... I'm like, okay, yeah. what did they say? So we have uh, then we have Marwin Kanzari as Joe. Um, who was a Muslim warrior during the Crusades, and then uh, Luca Marnelli um, as Nikki, who was a former Crusader, 
and he and Joe started off as enemies, killed each other on the battlefield, actually, and then became the greatest love story of all time. Um, and I, I love where they're talking. You know, they're you know we're talking about like when they're talking with Niall about their history, and they and then Joe says we killed ourselves, we killed each other on the battlefield, and they were like several times. Right. <laughs> um, I love the way um, that Joe described Nikki to their captors at that one point. Um, yeah, because when he's like, "You're a child," um, like it's such a cool little monologue that was just kind of like, it's totally Rucka. That's that's a total Rucka thing. Um, and then we have Chueta Etchelfor as James Copley, who's a grieving former uh, CIA agent who lost his wife to Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. Um, oh, what? No, just like that one scene where you know he's talking to Niall and he's like he just. He just breaks down. She's like, she couldn't like breathe or talk. Yeah. I mean, that was just like, you don't get a lot from him in this movie, but that scene in and of itself, you know, just shows how, you know, strong an actor he was. It, And I think, you know, of, of some of the issues I've had with this movie, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. uh, giving that more, that personal side of him, of why he was doing what he was doing. It's much more powerful than, you know, Harry Melling's Merrick, who yeah, so, was one of the worst. I, I couldn't stand him as, like, his yeah. character. And not in a good way. It, it was like every time he was on screen, he brought the movie down for yeah, me. Yeah, his his death was, like, well-earned. Yeah, and and for those who watch Batman v Superman, he it was very similar to Jesse Eisenberg. Again, I, I actually like Jesse Eisenberg and other stuff. Yeah. But I could not stand him as Lex Luthor. Right. Right, right. And right. I couldn't stand him in Batman v Superman. And Melling, again, nothing wrong with he he was Dudley. Yeah, he bullied Harry Potter mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Yeah, and you're but never gonna recognize him because he's lost so much weight. He is so freaking yes, skinny. Right? It's like what's going on? And I mean he he was all right in the lost uh City of Z as William Barkley. Um and oh, I I, he like that. he's an okay actor. Um but he's definitely like way too mustache twirling in this one. Yeah. And this is where another thing, you know, I'm talking to, I mentioned Copley's his, why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah. If they could have made Merrick more compelling and him really feeling like he was doing this for the betterment of humanity. No, it was just all about the money. Yeah. That would have been so much stronger. Like you were talking about, uh, well, I don't know if he would, like I was just thinking of Giancarlo Esposito mm-hmm. just because we were talking about yeah. it. But like a stronger actor in that, and a stronger actor and character. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say just the actor, but the character itself. Well, and, and it's funny because a lot of times we would look at this and be like, well, with a better director. But, you know, Blythewood is such a good character director. And she yeah. does so good with, with those little beats that you see in every other character that – the fact that yes. Merrick was so mustache twirling, and then his uh, his evil doctor Meta Kozak, uh, played by Anna Maria Marincia, or yeah, something I don't know. She was awful too. So, like they, those two were the worst parts of the movie. Yeah, um, it was like they were written in at the last second. Like if Keen would have been the bad guy, right? Um, the mercenary. Like if he would have been the bad guy, all right, I would have been on board because. He was menacing and an evil, evil, evil dude. And, you know, it just made more sense. Yeah. But, yeah, overall, like you said, 
one of the things, some of the things I liked, and I know you said it, it could have shaved 15 minutes off. I look at it the other way. This would have been, and I think we mentioned, I would have loved for this to be a four or a six episode, um, just limited series, just because I am so fascinated. Well, one, I'm a huge Highlander fan, so yep. I love this type of, you know, sand, sword and sandals, mm -hmm. you know, going through the ages. So that's one thing. And also just the the snippets we get of their stories of Joe and Nikki and Book mm -hmm. and Andy. I want to see, and, you know, and, and Quinn, I just want to see more of that. And, you know, when I was watching it the second time, you know, in, in that scene when they're in the church kind of going over their history with Nile. I couldn't help but thinking how awesome would it be if uh, Nikki and Joe, we just had one episode or most of an episode with Nikki and Joe, uh, most of an episode with book, you know, with his son and how he, you know, his sons, some of that, his three sons. Yeah. His son, his three sons. Yeah. And, and, it, and again, part, a lot of that has to do with how much I loved Highlander back in the day, the TV show uh -huh. and how they did that a lot. They would, you know, you would do this flashback with Duncan based on what that story, that particular episode was. And, there's just so much room for that mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a, a property like this. That's what I kept thinking like, Oh, this would have been so awesome. But you know, for what it was, it, it was, I, I actually ex thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Absolutely. Hey, you want a funny Highlander aside? Um, the guy from the who, who played Hugh Fitzcan and, um, Oh yeah. Like I knew him from Highlander. I didn't know him from the who. So then when I found out, like I saw something about the who and I'm like, why is, Hugh Fitzcan and who, like, <laughs> you know, cause we were kind of young yeah. when that came out. I mean, yeah. we weren't, we yeah. weren't, I mean, we were in high, like early high school, but you know, I wasn't, I never really was into seventies rock other than uh, exactly. Queen. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's, but like you That's said, funny. like I think eight episodes, I think four to six would have been too short to do what we wanted uh -huh. to see. But I definitely think like a limited series, even if it was like two, four episode seasons, yeah. Um, but you know, again, like I think if it was two eight episode seasons, even we could have gotten um a little more baked story. We could have started sooner, um, and we could have had more Quinn in the um in the story than we got. Other which, than uh, which, it looks like she's going to be an possibly an antagonist for the. So I was about to say the second season. <laughs> yeah. So um, in uh. in the so in the in the comics, so Quinn is one of the characters that is changed a little bit. Um, she is a Vietnamese actress in the comic. She is Japanese. And when they were writing everything up, she went to Rucka and said, Hey, I'm Vietnamese. Do you mind if we changed her, you know, her background a little bit um, mm -hmm. just to be, she wanted to represent Vietnam, um, which I thought was really cool. And so they changed the name to be a Vietnamese name and everything. So yeah, it's uh it's really, really like interesting how, like they they've done that. Um, she was Paige in the Last Jedi, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah. Um. um what's her name? What's her name? Sister, right? Rose's sister. And then she was Rose's the sister, she was one yeah. of the fairies in, in Bright, um, the Will Smith, um, David Ayers. I have to rewatch that again. I I, okay, I actually liked Bright. I I I, I, I never really understood all the hate that it got. Um, but anyway. So yeah, so we sh I feel like we needed a little bit more of her of Quinn in this first movie mm -hmm. to really kind of set her up because really all we got was she the and the the little a couple little flashbacks we got that her yeah. and Andy like cut a swath of death across Europe 
um, that made Genghis Khan come in his pants. And, you know, then they got caught. They got tried as witches. They kept trying to kill them. So they dumped her in an Iron Maiden and put her in the ocean. Um, yeah. You know what's funny about that is that and, – and I, I would think this is how it would go too, exactly how it happened in the movie. But the idea was like when you were put on trial as witchcraft, if you survived this – oh, well, no. It was like if you died, uh, right. you were – you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up. Yeah, if you died, then you were, hey, you're not a witch, yeah. you're fine. Whoops, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> sorry. We're we're going to have to chalk this one up to a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, their souls are safe now. Yeah, right. Yeah, that. I think that was the, the Salem uh, modus operandi there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I would have liked to have seen more of her. But... Right. Um, Getting back to the the four, um, the 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 four horse immortals of the apocalypse, um, there's a great little featurette on on YouTube about this, talking about like the fighting and how they had to learn to you know look like a group that has been fighting for centuries, look like a group that had been fighting for centuries together, and you know just the sheer number of different martial arts that they incorporate into their um, fight choreography uh, was really cool. And, you know, I think I, I told you it was like kind of a, a, a Jeet Kune Do style of, um, you know, just a mishmash of a bunch of different things. Like there's some judo in there. There's some Aikido in there. There's some Taekwondo in there. Um, hell, there's some gun kata from equal equilibrium in there. Um, there's a nice little Muay Thai lake check in yeah. the um, in the airplane fight scene. Yep, dude, the airplane fight scene was the hallway fight scene of this movie, by the way. Um, yes, it was, and and it was badass, and and so yeah, and, and especially for Charlize, is they needed to be able to show her seamlessly move from weapon to weapon to hand to hand to weapon, and you know, I told you I rewatched Atomic Blonde and. You know, you go back and, and look at, at some of the just at, like hardcore action that she's done over the years. And man, she just makes it look so effortless. Yeah, because she she really buys into what she's doing. And it's it's kind of reminds me of Keanu Reeves and how he's like he is with the John Wick movies. Yeah. Uh, and one and this is one of the things I love about this movie is like you're saying how these these people have been fighting, not only fighting for centuries, they've been fighting together for mm-hmm. centuries. And just the just the symmetry of watching them, or just like just how smooth they went from you know person to person when they're yeah. you know, when they're fighting a large group, knowing that the other person would be there. I mean, that was one of the more fascinating things for yeah. me is how they would pass off a weapon without looking, right? You know, put somebody down, knowing that the person behind them is going to take that person out. Or, yeah, they were going to do rule number rule number one: double tap. Um, yeah, the choreography yep. in that was just just the seamlessness of it was so good and then the best thing too was the way they were able to incorporate nile into their stop into their their tactics right and and make it work with because they understood her strengths because she's a marine and yeah. you know they, they really you know she wasn't relied on to do a lot of hand-to-hand stuff she did a lot of like the cover fire and and things mm-hmm. like that which was really cool um i do want to say uh Chora, uh so copley had Troy Altafor had a line in Serenity where he's talking about River Tam as a creature of extraordinary grace. 
And I think that can be applied to Andy and Booker and Joe and Nikki. And they're all four creatures of extraordinary grace. And, you know, it's a dance, a dance of death that they do um, as they go through. And I think the they showed us immediately how badass they were when they took out the compound when they were were going to rescue the the non-existent little girls and they got killed. And when they came back, the way they just leapt into action. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to also give a lot of credit to to Blythewood and um, the cinematographers, Tammy Redker and Barry Aykroyd. Um, they let us see the fighting. They didn't get that up close, frenetic, you know, um, Nolan style of fighting. It was more like the John Wick style thing where yeah, absolutely. Like we were we were a voyeur in the room. We weren't um, a participant in VR. Um and I really appreciated that. And then the other yeah. thing is the music. I like it had a great little score and um, the actual songs, the with lyrics that they picked, I thought were really, really strong and, it's and helped tell the funny. story. You, you know what is funny? I had an issue at first with the songs, and then this, the, and then the second time around, I think I had issue with just one of the, not the score itself, but like the song. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. I thought it took me out of it. It was like when. Um, Andy, basically, for lack of a better term, kidnapped Nile. Yeah, uh, I didn't like that song, but the other ones, especially like from the beginning, you know, the title mm-hmm. sequences to when Nile goes for the rescue. It, like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the song. The song they played when they were fighting on the airplane either. But I, I, the second time around, I did appreciate it a little bit more. Um, but like going back to your point about you know the the cinematography of everything you can completely ruin a great choreographed fight by filming too tightly or mm-hmm. filming too frenetically. Right. Or filming too far away. Uh, for, yeah. That too. So. Yeah. So, and it was funny. I was listening to uh, somebody review this and I think it was Chris Stuckman, who I love by the way. And he, and, and I didn't finish it. So I don't know exactly what he, he I think he liked it, but you know, he had a little bit of an issue with how they film the fight scenes and those, and I kind of like twisted my head, but that's kind of like to each his own though. Um, but I really enjoyed how they um, choreographed the fights. There were only maybe one or two hiccups here and there where you see someone slow down or, but sure. that you're going to see that with anything. I, yeah. I don't care what it is. And again, for somebody like me who watches that stuff, I just love that stuff. And mm-hmm. I might watch it. Even if I watched the movie once, I might watch those scenes a couple times, but yeah, I, and I loved, and you said this, you told, said this to me, and I caught it the second time around. Like when you're talking about the badass line when Booker says, that woman has forgotten more ways to kill than right. our armies will ever know. Right. And that kind of goes into, you know, the quote you were talking about where Edger Ford was talking about River. And yeah, these four people, just imagine, you know, the, the, the proudest, you know, the most decorated warrior in our times that, you know, I follow martial arts, I mm-hmm. follow a lot of stuff and imagine that multiplied by, you know, 6,000 years. Lania. Uh, yeah. In her case. Yeah. Uh, yeah in her case, 6,000 years. And that, that was, it was like the leg check thing is uh, like, imagine how hard her bones are mm-hmm. dense. Her bones are from, you know, just that con- continual micro fractures, right. continually using it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 
and it's just that's one of those things that I would say Highlander didn't necessarily do as well is show that you know with age it's not just skills it's just your body would be to the point of just like the most just like a human machine yeah and that's what we saw there but it was a machine not in a way of not necessarily that you know well uh, just kind of in defense of Highlander real quick it was more of a Canadian show than a US show so they don't really understand yeah. how to fight anyway um <laughs> You know, uh, like George St. Pierre is the, um, you know, outlier. I'm not impressed by he, your performance. He's the outlier in that in that situation. Hey, don't forget the Red King. Uh, I was about to say Robbie Lawler, but uh, <laughs> crap. What is his name? I don't he fought know. Robbie Lawler twice, like one of the best fights I've ever seen. Uh, Rory McDonald. But um, I yeah. haven't seen him fight so. so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you'll have to watch that fight. Yeah. It was like five years ago. Okay, that was great. It might be on ESPN but, uh, Plus. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, but like I, I just really and again I told you this to earlier today too is that I enjoyed this movie even more the second time around. Absolutely, one hundred percent. There's like there's little lines that you pick up. You pick up the the idiosyncrasies between the four. Um, you know the the whole like so like Kiki right is sort of like Ava in warrior none just without the constant running away um you know she wants to run away well but no no she was sent away that's the thing she ran away no i will say she ran away but it was for a i understand the reasoning behind it she wanted to see her family which again if you if you just say oh i die and now i'm immortal what and you're then somebody's telling you you can't see your family again I completely understand her her need, even yeah. though I like, even though the leave you know leaving your fellow you know, that's not her team, right. but uh, but I understand I understood what drove her, mm-hmm. and that's the thing they did a good job of making us understand how important her family was to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she lost her father when she was eleven. Right, you know, he was I a mean, soldier as well, and not just that, but how important the Marines were to her because she yes. was she was not too happy to be AWOL, um, yeah. either. So. All right, so some some of the production notes here. Um, in March 2017, Skydance Media picked up the rights uh, to adapt the comic, The Old Guard. Um, and when Rucka signed the contract, it stipulated that um, a major scene highlighting the romance between Joe and Nikki from the comic also needed to be in the film adaptation. Um, I can see a lot of directors cutting out that scene in the back of the armored truck. Um, when they were they were prisoners because you know it really went a long way again to show us the connection that these people had and when he talked when the guy's like oh what is your boyfriend and he was like you're a child like he's he's more than this to me he's the moon and the stars and you know when he talked about after millennia his kiss still excites him like i mean that's that's showing us like you know the the way they the the you know, they were looking at each other and, and the way they interacted. And then the fact that when they got there, the way they opened the door and everybody in that place was dead, but the two of them, <laughs> you know, it yeah. showed it really, they, they went, like, uh, Blythewood went a really long way of showing us and not telling us a lot in this movie. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And in a movie like this, it can, it's very easy to fall into the trap of telling too much and not showing enough. Yep. And that's what, yeah. And this, 
like you said, they, they showed us and they didn't they didn't tell us. And it was funny the first time I watched this, that scene, I, I thought some of the lines I was like, okay, that's a little cheesy. But again, it was one of those things where I understood it. Mm-hmm. The second time around, I don't know why it really resonated more the second time with me. It just clicked, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And and I think certain movies are like that where. You don't necessarily appreciate, and again, not I'm not talking necessarily about things like Endgame and Infinity mm-hmm. War, where so much is going on, you're just going to miss stuff. I mean, just movies like this, where there are certain things where I, like, I'll have one opinion of it the first time I mm-hmm. see it, and then when I actually step back and watch it again, it's like, wow, that was really deep, and and more than anything, it was necessary. Yeah. You know, it was necessary to explain that you know mm-hmm. you're talking about the connection to show it yeah to show it not here. just tell us about it but it's like um like that scene i kind of in in the like just some of the little one-liners that were dropped through this i likened it to uh you know the scene of an, an atomic blonde where she calls him a cocksucker and then at the end and he's like cocksucker like and she's like i had to make it real or in the 2009 star trek where uh captain pike asked kirk he's like do you like being the only genius level multiple offender in the midwest and he says, maybe I love it, which I missed probably the first four times I saw that movie. Yeah. Right. And that, I mean, that goes so far to showing us who, who this version of Kirk is now. Um, you know, it's really cool. Uh, all right. So in July, 2018, um, Gina Prince Blythewood was hired to direct this. Um, and in doing so, she was the, she became the first black woman to direct a big budget comic book film. Um, so one kudos on Netflix for just, giving us a great movie and not like getting all identity politics and, and, you know, intersectionalism, intersectional, intersectionalism. Can't talk. Um, Use your words. Words are hard, (laughs) Daryl. Words are hard. (laughs) Anyway. um, So I think that's great. And, you know, being a fan of hers from, from way back, like I I think it's about time she got this shot. Um, You know, it was it was just it's it's really really good um kiki lane was confirmed to star in the film after netflix picked up the rights in may of 2019 um uh, marwin matthias and luca all joined the cast of the film and in june 2019 Chihuahua El- harry melling and veronica go uh, i think that's how you say it um quinn joined the cast um and then it was at uh nose request that the character be changed to uh, to Vietnamese, and when um, Blythewood reached out to Greg Rucka, asked if he could accommodate it, he's like, "Absolutely." Um, so you know, I mean, that's that's the level of just respectfulness that we're working with on this movie. And you know, um, Charlize Theron is one of the producers. Her production company was involved in this, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else. Uh, really to add yeah. um, it was the number one site for its first weekend and it's still in the global top 10 so yeah uh, it was on number Netflix. one when I uh, rewatched it yesterday too okay so I mean it's highly so. rewatchable that's the beauty of this movie yeah. like this is a new um, I can just stick it on in the background and, and work um, or look for a job as the case may be right now um, <laughs> it's got a, uh, it's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I know we don't put a ton of stock into that, but it's a great metric to, to look at this by. Um, it's got a 6.55 weighted average on Metacritic. Um, and it says the old guard, uh, is occasionally restricted by genre conventions, but director Gina Prince 
Blythewood brings a sophisticated version, vision to the superhero genre and has some knockout action sequences led by Charlie Theron, which I 100% agree with. And, you know, yeah. it it is... Oh, I'm sorry. Metacritic uh, has a weighted of 70 out of 100. My bad. Um, I read that wrong. And it's got generally favorable reviews. So, you know, uh, we've got some of the other reviews like B+, B-. minus. Um, the Daily Beast said it's the first movie without gay superhero. Oh, wait. Hold on. Uh, okay. That doesn't really... I don't think this person watched the movies. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, oh, it's the is the first movie without gay superheroes or the extremely extremely rare action film that fe- feature queer characters and acknowledge their romance. The sexuality of the characters is matter of fact and inconsequential to their ability to kick total and complete ass. Yet also given the dignity to express and showing their love, which is ex- extremely consequential to their daily lives and has been for millennia. Okay. So yeah, I mean that that's spot on what we were saying. I obviously yeah, didn't, and that's I didn't, exactly, I didn't read any of these reviews before we started yeah. talking about it. Cause but I didn't. And, want that, and that's, yeah. And that's exactly what we're, you know, when people complain about, you know, well, you're just this, you know, you're ist, IST, whatever it mm-hmm. is. This is what, this is the perfect example of it's not pandering. It's actually a strong part of the character. It's not just there, you know, to check off a box. It's a part of the character. It's a part of the story. And ninety, there, and again, there, the vast majority. The when I say vast majority, ninety-five, ninety percent of the people will see this. Like, and again, like, and and have no problem with this, versus something that you see that's actually cooked up, you know, just to, you know, check a box. And, and and that that review is right in the sense of I, I just love overall just the characters and one of the things I didn't mention is I just love the chemistry between all four of them. And it's funny because I, I did have a little bit of the first part of the movie I was having trouble relating to Nile. Mm-hmm. But it was it wasn't because of her, it was because she was the outsider. Right. And all the, these other four, they were such a tight knit group. And, and I think that's one of those things that I liked about the movie. And, and I really caught the second time is that why I had the problem with Niall at first, it wasn't her. It was just because she was the outsider to this, you know, quartet of, you know, just badasses yeah. that have been together for centuries. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I think they did a really good job by the end of, of layering her in and even the part where she wanted to go through the door first. And Andy's like, I go through the door first. How about if this doesn't work out, you go through the door first next time. Um, Again, just great one liners and, and, you know, just delivered with uh, just the precision that the one liners were delivered with. Right. There wasn't a wasted beat to any of them. And, and the dialogue was all relatively tight. Like there was very little wasted dialogue other than, um, really anything that Merrick had to say. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Anna Minta of Decider wrote, I hadn't read the old guard comic and I didn't know that writer Greg Rucka had stipulated in his contract that whenever or however the film got made, it had to include that scene. So when it happened, well, it felt and still does feel like a huge freaking deal. It's just as passionate, just as charged and just as sensual as Han and Leia, Peter and MJ 
Um, she didn't pay very close attention in the Hunger Games because she says Peta and Katniss uh, or any other heterosexual couple who has a big kiss moment in an action movie over the years. Um, and I agree for the, the two thirds of the examples she gave. Um, I don't yeah, feel like Peta and Katniss about. had any Katniss. palpable. Uh, uh, What's his name? Josh Hutcherson and um, Jennifer Lawrence had zero chemistry. Um, you know, so. And, and although that kind of makes sense why they. they and they weren't supposed to. Right. Like, yeah, she right. ended up with him because she felt bad. She settled. Yeah. And obviously she couldn't t- trust Gail anymore because, you know, he went full on villain. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the, exploring this world more. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I highly recommend picking up the comics. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're well worth a read. Uh, Greg Rucka is hands down my favorite comic book writer. So, um, and he's one of my favorite just out and out writers. Like, he's got some great, actually, you would like his novels, um, Daryl. So, oh really? Yeah, they're, um, they're about. He's got a whole series about a guy named uh, Atticus Kodiak, um, who is a bodyguard who becomes an assassin, who becomes you know a whistleblower. It's really really cool. Um, and then his Queen and Country, which is a comic that he wrote for Oni Press. Um, he wrote a couple of Queen and Country novels that are also really really good with uh, about Terror Chance. Um, so yeah, but definitely check this movie out. I mean, it is I. You know, I, I give I'm giving this an eight out of ten. Um, eight out of ten for here too. I I think this is this is Netflix firing on all cinder, cylinders from the movie side. Uh, this is better than Extraction, which we both really liked. Um, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Ex- and again, part part of that for me is the world it's in. I just again i'm a sucker for the, the fantasy genre and and this is you know this isn't high fantasy like lord of the rings but right. it, there's a, that air of fantasy in the sense of you know you have these immortals Ooh. so i'm a sucker for that yeah um and i just i think the characters the relation to the characters were stronger than it was in a stra- well, extraction and the other thing is an, an extraction like i mean he gets shot shot up right and is still able to run around and fight at a high level. Um, Andy took one shot to the side and, you know, she's a 6,000 year old warrior and she struggled through it. And like, you know, she was sweating and she was, you know, um, she didn't know what was going on half the time. She was just acting on instinct. And, and I thought this was a much more, um, you know, realistic as, as realistic as can be. Um, portrayal of, of how these warriors would act um and the other thing is when joe killed keen um best death scene in the movie like just be, just best like i guess kill shot would be uh, oh, yeah. a way um and it was so fast and just the way it happened and they they continue on just showed you everything you needed again to know about these characters and about what they were doing. And they're not, they're not out for revenge necessarily. Um, but when King did stick that gun in Nikki's mouth, it's like, what? That was crazy. Um, in the middle of the fight there. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, we both talked about, you know, before we go here is 
the idea of you know immortality and in this movie the idea is that for whatever reason that they still don't know you lose your immortality so and I, i was thinking like maybe it's because there can only be so many of them but then there can only be five. Well, but that four. didn't make sense. Well, because but it, yeah. it, there could only be four. Didn't make sense because they all knew that Quinn that was still Quinn. alive and dying and alive and dying and alive and dying. And I think mm-hmm. what it was is kind of like, and this is again one of the like not so great parts about it. But I understand kind of why they did it, and I'll get to that in a second. But this is Padme dying from sadness. Um, she had given <sighs> up on the world. Yeah. And, and, you know, and in the comic, she's immortal still. She, she doesn't become mortal as far, uh, at least through, um, the issues that have been out, but, um, she also has given up on the world and I can understand, like maybe they couldn't lock Charlize into like a three or four picture deal. Um, and maybe they can only do a one or two picture deal. So, you know, you make her mortal. So someone else can take over the team. Yeah, and and again, these uh, the rest of these actors are strong enough. They've showed enough to they can carry this torch. Like if you know if, the, if Charlize, say for instance, her character is gone after the second movie, I am fine with that. You know, I I like like these characters are strong enough. These actors are strong enough for me to turn tune in. Yeah, to if if, you know, if they had an old guard three or mm-hmm. four or whatever, or if they did an old guard you know miniseries after movie two or something like that and, i would be fine with that. and i also would be fine if they gave her her immortality back after seeing I, yes. you know oh. um copley's mood board and and that was one of the things that and again i don't want to get too um like uh philosophical but you know a lot of times when you know we look at the world or we look at things we do we don't necessarily take into account how we affect the lives of others in a positive way we see like all this negativity going on and you know you do something good for somebody and and somebody will maybe say something about it and you're like whatever i just did that because or and you don't step back from it and take into account well just that one thing you did that kind act that and again this like what they did were save people's lives mm-hmm. and it you know and like copley said two or three generations later we reap the benefits right it's just just the same thing in life, you know, just taking the time to be courteous to someone. You don't know what they're going through and to that could change their whole day. And that's on a micro scale. And, and again, I, you know, we, we have to usually deal with micro just in a day to day life. While in the sense of, you know, the old guard that is dealing with more of a macro over thousands of years. Right. It's just that idea of, you know, you just never know. They sometimes give yourself a little bit more credit. You know, in the sense of how you can positively affect somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good one to go out on. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, well, hey, guys. Thank you, guys, gals, everyone. Thanks for listening this week. Um, you know, if you like what you heard, uh, you can check out Podchaser to give us a, a five-star review. Or if you listen on Apple um apple itunes a five-star review and a written review um telling us how much you like us would be awesome um oh i've been posting these on youtube so if you like and subscribe and share the youtube videos that would be helpful as well and as always we have the patreon page 
to uh, to visit infospodcast.com slash Patreon. And we also have a store. Um, and it's infos, it, just go to infospodcast.com and click on shop. And it'll take you to our t-shirt store at Flying Pork Apparel. I got to get you a shirt, don't I? Yes, you do. Yeah. I'll take care of that soon. Um, you still owe me your bio. I'm going to just call you out on the air every week until you give it to me. Um, anyway. <laughs> Isn't that shaming? Yeah, I'm shaming you right now. Shame. Ding, ding. Shame. <laughs> ding, ding. Shame. Ding, ding. Anyway. <laughs> All right. On that note, Daryl, you got any, anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, I, ju- I would just say, you know, take a couple hours out of your day and check this movie out. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's well worth it. And and it is it is a great example of the the 180 um Netflix has taken in the in the movie movie category here on uh on on their originals. Yeah, I I just hope uh, and again this you know you'll be listening to this Sunday most likely. So I just hope Curse which comes out on Friday, July 17th continues that trend. Yeah. I never did watch the trailer for that one. <laughs> I thought you did. I didn't. <laughs> oh. um, but hey, next week we're actually going to review a comic book. Um, Daryl's got to read it. That's the thing I emailed you. Um, but uh, yeah. All right, guys. On that note, we'll see you later. Peace out. Infest Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, with new episodes out every Sunday. You can find more information about the show online at infamouspodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Infamous Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcasting app. If you're enjoying the show, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash infamouspodcast for our new tiers and rewards. The Infamous Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Brian Tudor, with music provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. You can find me on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Brian Tudor. So whenever you're listening to the show, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Later.